You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Good evening. Bear with me. My uh, throat's been a little crazy the last couple days, so if I cough, that's why. Um, But it's okay that I'm suffering (laughs) because God is giving me strength to be here today. Um, The title of my message tonight, which is part of this three-part series, um, is that we might have confidence in God alone. Now, on Sunday, we saw that one of the first reasons and one of the most challenging reasons is to look at, you know, not at ourselves anymore, not look at how we can be comforted, which we desperately need, um, but it's to be able to comfort other people. We have to look outside of ourselves and love people. As a challenge that God brings to us. And it's not an easy one, but if we have his strength and his power, we can show his love to other people, and we need to do that. Um, but today we're going to see um, how suffering brings us to have confidence in God. Not God and other things, but in him alone. Uh, so turn into your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We read... On Sunday, verses 1 through 7. Today will be verses 8 through 11. Um, And as I mentioned on Sunday, that few chapters in the New Testament reveal the heart of Paul, as does this one. Uh, Here we see the great apostle admitting his fears and the things that he went through, all the trials and and the things he had to bear. Um, But just like him, which I'm sure he did, because this is a universal problem, and a question is, is, why did this have to happen to me? He probably wrestled with that often. We wrestle with that often. There are so many things in our lives that make us question God. And it's sad, but it's true. We question God all the time. And it's embarrassing. <laughs> like, and sometimes we forget to, for, for asking God to say, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I even doubted you just then. I am sorry that it took me this long to realize that I needed to ask for forgiveness on this one because you are the God of comfort. You loved me. You, you sent your son for me. You died for me. And here I am doubting you, just like Satan wanted me to. Now, <clears throat> the reason we ask that question why is because Satan is in the world, right? He was, he was in the garden and ver- in the very beginning. He, he put that question into Eve's mind. Why? Do you think he wants you not to have this? Sometimes we ask that question. Why can't I have that job? Why can't I get lucky like that? Why, why am I the one suffering when they are getting lucky and they don't even care about you, right? We compare ourselves to people all the time, and, and we are wondering why we are the ones who faithfully go to church, who, who love our families, who do the right thing, and yet we're the ones suffering. It's a universal question. Why did this have to happen to me? To see, the problem, that pain problem... That suffering problem is something that baffles everybody. The answer to why here is going to help us to understand how we're going to get through that problem. And it's not going to stop. Until we get to heaven, there will be problems. There will be pain. There will be suffering. It's guaranteed because Jesus said it's going to happen, and it's evident in our lives. (laughs) Pain drew us to God in the first place. Realizing our weaknesses brought us to him, and realizing our failures brought us to him. And that's how we, we got saved, because we realized that we had nothing to offer. We realize that we've been hurting people. We realize that we've been hurting ourselves and fooling ourselves that we didn't need any help. And he brought it to our attention that we did need him. 
and that's how we bear the suffering. So to understand the why we suffer is going to help us understand how we get through it. So why must the righteous suffer? It's, it's found all throughout Scripture. Read the Bible, and you're going to see evidence of people turning away from God. We're going we're gonna to shake our heads at them and be like, how could you possibly do that? How dumb are you? <laughs> we fail to, to look in the mirror a little bit and see that that's exactly what we do every single day. We look at them and we, we're like, how could you forget all the things that God just did for you? But we do that every single day. We forget. It's all throughout the Bible. Example after example after example of people suffering all the way from the beginning. But God had a plan. And we're going to see that plan. He gives us three reasons, Paul, in this chapter, why God permits his people to suffer. But I want to tell you a story that I think is slightly comical, but at the same time, it does paint a picture of how we act very often in painful situations and how we acted before we got saved. It says a lifeguard, a lifeguard was on duty when he noticed a gentleman was in trouble. He dove into the water and swam out to the struggling man, stopping about three feet from him. From this short distance, the lifeguard realized that the victim was a large fellow. Not wanting to be taken under, the lifeguard considered his dilemma. Not only was his ward sizable, he was also trying to save himself. He was afraid. He was swinging. He was panicking. He was in trouble. In an effort to save himself, the man was swinging wildly against the water and was draining his energy quickly. Can you picture yourself there for a moment, just flailing around and, and not being savable in that moment? The lifeguard continued to tread water at a short distance, not because he didn't care, but because he was waiting on the man to stop trying to save himself. He knew that he would be unable to save the drowning man as long as he was using his own methods, insisting on his own strength and relying on his own ability. His cry for help contradicted his efforts to save himself. His approach was hindering the lifeguard's planned approach. Finally, the, man, <clears throat> the man's energy left and he had no more fight left in him. When he stopped beating the water, stopped leaning on his own understanding, and stopped using his own methods, the lifeguard took over. The lifeguard worked his way around to the man's back, reached over his shoulder, cupped his chin under his hand, and put an elbow in the middle of his shoulder blade. This allowed the man's body to come closer to the surface of the water and rest on the hip of the lifeguard as he side-stroked into the edge of the pool. Even though the man was large, the rescue was possible because he was resting in the strength of his Savior, not in his own strength. Once the man was calm, he thanked the lifeguard. He gave the lifeguard complete credit because he realized his own resources couldn't have got him out of the mess he had found himself in. So it's kind of funny imagining this giant man flailing around and, and not being savable, but at the same time, there is some serious points to that story. Examples of how Jesus or God wants to come in and rescue us, and we're flailing around trying to do it on our own. So if you can, stand with me as we, as we read our verses 8 through 11 in 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> I've had some people ask me, why do we stand? But I think out of reverence for God, which we more than often forget, God's amazing. His word is powerful, and he's amazing. So standing out of reverence for his word, I think, is important. It says in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. 
who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, and in whom we trust that yet will deliver us. Ye also help together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Lord, I pray that we see clearly tonight how we can trust you, how we can stop relying on our own understanding, our own strength, relying on other people to save us from our trials, but Lord, how we can rest in you, Lord, have confidence in you alone to save us from our trials and our suffering. Help us to understand why we suffer, but at the same time, how you will, you will always see us through it. Help us to open our eyes to that, Lord, and I, I pray that um, through all the pain that we're, we're dealing with, or the pain that we have, Lord, I pray that we don't hold on to bitterness. I pray that we let go, we give it to you, Lord, and we're able to heal from that and move forward, and I pray that you see us through the trial, Lord. I know there's a lot of people dealing with that right now, just based on the prayers that I heard today. I pray that we can get through these trials, Lord. I know you'll be faithful to bring us through it, and I just look forward to seeing your answered prayers because you've done it over and over and over again. I pray tonight, Lord, that you, you speak through me. Help me to speak the words that you knew people needed tonight. Lord, I only have so much to bring to the table. I can study, Lord, but your word is more powerful than me. Your spirit is more powerful than me, and I pray, Lord, that you speak to people tonight. Help me to do that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> so as I stated on Sunday, thank you. You're the man. <clears throat> See, he brings people into our lives to help us with our suffering. As I stated Sunday, Paul gives us in this chapter three reasons why God permits his people to suffer. We suffer that we might comfort others. That is so important. To look outside of ourselves and to see the needs of those around us to give them comfort, to show that God is the God of all comfort. He's not who people think he is sometimes and being this, this God that hates on people, the God that is destructive, the God that has no mercy. When, you, when people think, look at all the things he did in the Old Testament. <laughs> Read a little further in those stories and see how amazing and gracious and merciful he is. Look at why he did those things, and you're going to see the love of God, not the hatred of God or, or the the destructive power of God. I think we should have a, a healthy reverence or fear of him based on what he is capable of. He shows us throughout the Bible, but he loves people. Genesis chapter 3, he had a plan to save us, to bring us back to him. We need to pour that out to other people. We need to lead people to him and bring them comfort and peace that only God is going to be able to provide them. The second reason is that we might have confidence in God alone not resting on our own abilities, not resting on our own understanding, which is going to be faulty. If, if we use our own methods, it's going to fail. But when we rely on him and we pray and we go to him, he will, he will give us the ability to do the things that we are incapable of doing on our own. And the third reason is that we might claim the promises of God. And we will look at that on Sunday morning. And I, 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 do, I pray that you, you invite people. People need to hear this. And share the YouTube videos, help them to see why we suffer. Because so many people are dealing with that, and a lot of people aren't coming to church because they've suffered. They don't want to come because they've been hurt in church. They don't want to come because of certain people in churches before. They need to hear the Word. They need to hear God's Word. It is powerful. It is amazing. Until I came to this church, I didn't understand 
the Bible. I didn't understand the power of his word. I was looking at surface things that, I, that brought me to churches. Music was the biggest thing for me. I was like, if the music's good, then I'll go. I, I came from a music background. I wanted to be in a worship team. I wanted to sing. I wanted to play the drums. And there's nothing wrong with those things because God made that. There's angels in heaven in, the, in a worship band praising God 24-7. There's nothing wrong with music. But when you're not focused on the real reason for being in church, the Bible, God's word, what heals people, what saves people, then you're missing the point. And God has so many promises for us. So please, I know it's Sunday school and people don't want to get up early, but ask them to come anyway. Or tune into YouTube. Because God has a message. I know I'm preaching and I'm not trying to boast about anything there, but he's put this on my heart and I've cried about it a lot. <laughs> because it's powerful. God loves us. There's a reason for suffering. And I've suffered a lot in my life. To see why helps so much to understand how we're going to get through it. So we ask God, Lord, why am I going through this? I don't understand what good is going to come from the pain I'm going through right now. I don't understand. But the answer to why here will help us to find the how we're going to bear the suffering. On Sunday, we saw the first reason for our suffering is that we might comfort others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 3, he started by saying, Blessed be God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. And man, his mercies are amazing and abundant. He went on to say, And the God of all comfort. All the comfort in the universe. God's power. He wants to pour out to us. He is the God of all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Not just some. All our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. It's because of his comfort that we can comfort people in this world that are in need of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual. That means it works in the believers. His consolation, his comfort works in us in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. From this text in verses 8 through 11, which I read a second ago, and we'll read again here, we can say <clears throat> that the reason that we suffer is that we might have confidence in God alone. Not in ourselves, but in God. It takes a great soul to admit failure. It takes a lot to say that we are incapable. It takes a lot to admit our shortcomings. It takes a lot to get rid of the pride in our lives, and it creeps up every single day. We have, we have this confidence that we are able to conquer our own pain. We're able to, to get through this. The lusts of, of the flesh or the greed or, or the gambling or the anger issues that we have or the alcohol addiction or the smoking addiction, I'll be, we just think, oh, I'm not going to tell people I'm, I don't need to go get help. I don't need to go to a pastor. I don't need to go to God about this. I got this. I can take care of this myself. But we can't. We have no strength to stand up on our own. Satan is, whether we want to admit it, he is strong and he is clever and he is trying to keep us from understanding God and believing in his power and his love. He wants us to think that we can do it alone and we believe it continuously. And we, we just say, 
I don't need you. But we need him if we're going to succeed. There was no way I was going to get out of my anger issues, and, I, and I'm still praying about that because there are moments where I catch myself getting more angry than I needed to be in that situation with my kids. I'm thankful for my kids, especially Jaron, helping me to step back the second I overreact and say, he didn't deserve that. Like, what, what was that really about? And then God opens my eyes to it, and, and I ask for forgiveness, and I go to Jaron, and I talk to him about it because my anger was not necessary. But I brought that because that was part of how I grew up. I just react out of the pain or, or insecurity or whatever it is in that moment. As a dad, I'm just like, maybe I'm, I'm threatened by whatever they say, and, and I overreact, and I say no. And I say something that is painful and hurtful to them, and I have to reconcile that, unfortunately. But <clears throat> I have to rely on God to get me through that anger. My addiction to pornography was never going to stop on my own, and I tried for years. And I just kept hurting the people in my life, and I, and I never got to the root problem, which was the bitterness in my life, all the things that my dad did to me, all the sexual abuse, all the force to look at pornography 24-7, like all the things that he just pushed on me I was trapped in for years, and I thought I could just do it alone. I didn't want to tell even Veronica about it because I, I didn't want to hurt her. It was my justification, like I'm, I'm keeping her from pain. All meanwhile, I'm hurting her the whole time, and I'm hurting myself. That's the thing that we don't realize is, is, is that just like the guy in the water, we're flailing around thinking that we can just cling on to whatever's around us, thinking this will save me, this will get me through this. I'll get to the shore on my own. Well, we're drowning. We are sinking. And God's just there, three feet away from us, saying, just, would you just let me take care of you, please? Like, I just want to help you right now. And we, we don't. We don't let him do it. <clears throat> Verse 8, it says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that, were that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. That describes so many of us. <laughs> Some of us, it's very real right now. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. He wrote this not to win their sympathy, but to teach them the lessons he learned. It's to trust in God alone. Not to trust in our own abilities, not to trust in the people around us, but in God alone. We are not sure just what trouble Paul is referring to. Probably it involved the riot at Ephesus where Paul had persuaded people to turn away from the idols that the silversmiths were creating. There, were, there was this made-up God that they thought was real in Ephesus, and it was a plague. And, and all these people were building these idols, and they, this huge riot came up because... Paul convinced them that this was not somebody that you needed to be worshiping. This isn't the true God. So then they were losing business, and a riot went after Paul to kill him. So that could have been what he was talking about. In 2 Corinthians 7, 5, he indicates <clears throat> that there were troubles without and within. So perhaps it is both physical weakness and danger as well as spiritual concern for the infant church at Corinth. We don't know specifically what the trouble was, but <clears throat> it was great enough to make Paul think he was going to die. And there's a lot of moments in our life where we are so, so just overwhelmed by it that we either think we're going to die, we're not going to make it through it, or we would rather die. The pain is so real in our life. 
There was a lot of moments in my life like that, a lot of them. I saw opportunities where I could just jump off of that four-story building, or I, I, we were visiting a dam, and I was in high school, and I was so broken and alone, and there was no options for me, and I, I was like, I could just jump off this right now, and, and that was a long way down, hundreds of feet. I was like, that would be so much better, but I'm thankful for God because he, he quickly brought it to my mind that that wasn't the option, <clears throat> but Satan wants us to think it is. When God puts his children into the furnace, he keeps his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the thermometer. Whether it's peril from his enemies, serious illness, or special satanic attack, we don't know. But we do know that God controlled the circumstances and protected his servant. We, however, usually do what the guy in the story did. We splash around kicking and screaming, wondering why God isn't helping us. <laughs> right? We're just trying again and again and again, believing that we're going to be able to do it again on our own. We even cling on to anything we can reach for except for God. We reach for friends. We reach for going out every Friday night. We reach for a job or money or anything but getting into the Word of God. Anything but praying to God <laughs> to, to make us feel better. But God is there the whole time waiting for us to stop trying to save ourselves and let Him do the saving. He wants to save us. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. We're not alone in our temptations. We're not alone in the pain. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. That word tempted means tested. It's just a test. It doesn't mean we have to act on it. <laughs> it's just a test. And God will see us through it. He said he's faithful, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may, ye may be able to bear it. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, through, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. You can rejoice in numerous trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than <clears throat> of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's just a test. It's just to, to purify us, to strengthen us, to, to move us on to something greater that he has planned for us. All the things I went through led me to, to this point. All the things I went through were for a reason. <laughs> it wasn't in vain that I went through all the abuse. It wasn't in vain that I hurt people. I mean, it was all the things that, that God brought to my life was to get me to a point where I saw my need for him and to be here. He wanted to use me to teach and preach and... I laughed when he said that to me because I was like, you don't want me. Look at all the things I went through. Look who I am. And God's like, well, I know. I did that for a reason. And when I was able to let go of the bitterness that I was holding on to as a life raft, then he said, I can use you finally. I was able to let him take control. Paul may have despaired of life, but God did not despair of Paul. Remember what Paul wrote in chapter 11? <clears throat> he said, In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night, a day, and on and on and on and on. It's all pain. Continual pain. 
And I think some of those things we can relate to and some we can't. It, we look at that and we're like, how did he ever make it through that? Yeah. We wonder. And people look at our lives when we're relying on God and praising God and thanking God. They're, they think we're crazy. They think, what cuckoo crazy church is this that they praise and love God even when they're hurting? But they don't know our God yet. <laughs> and we forget. We can admit that, right? I'm not alone in that. We forget how good God is. We're no different than the Israelites <laughs> that wandered around in the desert forgetting what God did. But we need to continuously get in the Word to be reminded when God's like, hey, here's another example. Here's another example of how much I love you. Here's another example of how I'm going to see you through this. Here's what I did for these people. Don't forget, I am with you forever. I will leave, never leave you nor forsake you. God had every one of these situations that Paul went through and every one of our situations under his control. Through all the pain and trials Paul faced, he learned the lesson God had for him. He would not trust himself but God alone. Note the three tenses of the believer's deliverance in verse 10. This verse is a verse we need to etch into our minds and never forget. <clears throat> Write it on a, on a mirror somewhere or in your phone. Put it on, on your backdrop or have a reminder set to pop up for you every single morning to remind you of this. It says, Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Look at what Paul said. He said, God has already delivered us. Right there in the first part, he said, Who delivered us from so great a death? In Genesis 3, God had a plan of salvation to rec reconcile us to him. He didn't want us to be sent out. It was not part of his plan for us to be separated from him. He wanted to be with us. So he sent Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Instead of leaving us separated from him for all eternity, he chose us. Look what it said in, in John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. He chose us. He wants to be with us. He loves us. God never wanted to be separated from us. <clears throat> Psalm 40, verse 2 says, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Think about the pit that you were in. I think about that all the time these days. Just out of... just. Thankfulness. I'm just like, Lord, the pain, the horrible life I was in, you brought me out of it. And I cannot believe you did that. Because it was a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, I set my feet upon a rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. He's a rock. He is the one that gives us stability and established my goings. If we rely on him, then our path, our path is stable. It's reliable. I told you my throat was crazy. <laughs> But it's okay. I'm so glad that I, I was seen by God when I was in the worst trials of my life. I'm so glad I was not alone. I thought I was alone. I was so bitter about it. The loneliness I felt. But when you, when you go to him, <laughs> he brings people into your life that's just, it's unbelievable. I cannot believe the church I'm in. I cannot believe the family I'm in now. The love, it's, un it's unbelievable. It's overwhelmingly amazing sometimes. The amount of love that's poured onto me from this, this family, it's amazing. 
I could have just stayed where I was and, and kept complaining and crying the whole time. But when I gave it up, he brought you into my life. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> Whenever I feel down or, or sick or even a, a hint of, of any doubt in my mind, I just talk to one of you guys and, and I feel so much better because he brought you into my life for a reason. So God has already delivered us. But not only that, if you look in the middle of the verse, God continues to deliver us. It says, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. That means he's still delivering us. He didn't quit. Like, he didn't just say, saved you, okay, walk away, and, and you know, good luck. <laughs> he's continuously with us. I'm thankful for that because God promised never to leave us. He said he, he is with us. He is our strength, He is our help, and He upholds us. Just like I said on Sunday, Isaiah 41.10 is one of my favorite verses because it is a promise to us. God said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And down in verse 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. He is with us continually, giving us strength, giving us confidence. Right when we walk up to, that, to the Jordan River of our life and, and we see the impossibility of it, and he's like, I will see you through this right now. I will open this up and make a way. It's, it's not, there's no way they were going to make it through on their own doing that. <laughs> but God got, got them through it. He is the God of all comfort. We see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 that God is the God of all comfort. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The word comfort comes from the Latin words which mean with strength. And the word fort at the end of there, that, that means to fortify. God comes alongside us. Another, another phrase that you could use with the word comfort, to come alongside. <clears throat> he comes alongside us with strength to give us strength to fortify us, to lift us up. When we go through trials, it draws us closer to him. Think about the prodigal son. It took him being brought to the lowest point of his life to realize how great his father was. And in that story, the father was God. He, sometimes he lets us suffer so we see how great it is to be with him again. He wants us to be with him. And he will, he will just like the father in that story, be running to us kiss our neck and, and embrace us and throw a party for us. It is not going to be a guilt trip the second we walk up. What the heck were you thinking? But that's what we think he's going to say sometimes. He's not like our earthly fathers. He is the father of all fathers. He, he's the father of everything. And the other thing is, is God wants us to pray endlessly. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. The interesting thing about prayer is that when we are in God's will and are praying for His will for our lives, He's going to faithfully answer it. There's nothing wrong with praying for selfish needs and wants and, and desires and, and everything, but when we're in His will, when we've given completely over to Him and we pray to Him, it is the most comforting thing ever. John 16, 24 through 27, Jesus said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, up to this point, you haven't asked. But he said, ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. 
These things have I spoken unto you in the Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. I will show you the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have, and have believed that I came out from God. We need to be praying when things are good. We need to be praying when things are bad. Without ceasing means always, continuously. <clears throat> when we pray, it brings us closer to God, but it also brings us closer to each other. And we need that. So we saw that God has already delivered us. We saw that God continues to deliver us. But not only that, God will always deliver us. 2 Corinthians 10, at the very end there, it says, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. That means the future tense. He will deliver us. We can be confident in his promises. We can be confident because when we look back to where he saved us from, we know that he has done it before and he will faithfully do it again. It's important to look back and remember. That's why when they got through the Jordan, they put those 12 stones up. So they would never forget. Every time they saw it, it they would remember. We set things, unfortunately, in our lives above God. Those are false gods and wonder why we suffer. We make God out to be sm a small God who can't understand our pain and our needs. All throughout history, the world has created their own gods for everything. Think about Egypt. They had Osiris, one of Egypt's most important deities. Osiris was a god of the underworld. He, he also symbolized death, resurrection, and the cycle of the Nile floods that Egypt relied on for agricultural fertility. They needed water, so they had Osiris. Horus depicted it as a falcon or as a man with fa a falcon's head. Horus was a sky god associated with war and hunting. Seth was the god of chaos, violence, deserts, and storms. Ta was the god of craftsmen and builders. Re uh, Re was one of the sun gods. Hathor embodied motherhood and fertility, and it was believed that she protected women in childbirth. Egypt had many gods. The world is represented by Egypt. Egypt, in all throughout the Bible, is represented as the world, what the world has to offer. So just like Egypt, the world, even today, our jobs, the money, the, the strip clubs, the casinos, the everything, the get cash now, all that stuff is replacing reliance on God. We have gods everywhere. But in, in Egypt, even though they had many gods, think about the phrase that, or what God said. He said, I am that I am. We hear that emphasis, I am that I am, all the time. But it's, I am that I am. Meaning, he is the God of fertility. He is the God of love. He is the God of mercy. He is the God of comfort. He is that God. He is all of those gods that they thought they were, they, they were able to pray to. I am that God of the sun. I am that God of fertility. That puts that, that phrase into perspective, doesn't it? I am that God. So whatever you think you're going you're gonna to do on your own or, or replace me with, I am that God. You need to bring that to me and I will take care of it. Because he is the God of everything, we can have confidence in him alone for everything. If you would, you'd come and play something softly. Paul was also quick to acknowledge the helpful prayer of his friends. Look in verse 11. You also helping together prayer for, or by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given 
by many on our behalf. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said, pray without ceasing. When God tells us to pray without ceasing, it is not only for our benefit, but for the whole church body. We pray for the needs of others. That's, how, that's another way we comfort others. When we are delivered from our trials because of prayer, it will cause many to praise God and give him the glory he deserves. We need to be lifting him up. Prayer is, is a powerful way we're going to do that. It's not in our strength that we can overcome the suffering. It's not in, in the strength of others that we will see ourselves through our situation. We need to learn to put faith in God alone and not in self, circumstances or men. Abraham took Lot with him, and Lot left for Sodom. Moses insisted on Aaron's help, and Aaron led the people into sin. David's choice advisors deserted him. Even the disciples forsook Jesus and fled. The believer who fears the Lord and lives to please him enjoys peace and confidence even in the midst of trouble. That's a lesson we need to learn. When we can bring our, our prayers to God, God is just like the dad we wish we had that's just sitting there eagerly awaiting us to bring it to him so he can just take care of it. I think about Kim's dad. <laughs> he is that kind of dad. He just wants to come over and fix it. It's, it's the craziest thing. Like Even if you didn't ask, if he hears about it, he's at your house knocking with all the tools and all the stuff necessary to fix it. I'm just like, it's crazy. Like It's just the most amazing thing. But that's what God wants to do for us. He's just ready to go, ready to save us from whatever it is. So we need to be praying for each other. So whether it was the message on Sunday, when I talked about bitterness, <clears throat> which is going to keep us from seeing things clearly, when it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep us from loving other people and seeing their needs, and to be able to, one, if we're bitter, we're not going to be comforted. We're going to be holding on to that and, and stewing over that. But if we, if we can let go of that, then we can thank God for the things that we're going through or the things that we went through. We could forgive the people that have hurt us, and then we can start loving people. We could be used of God when we're letting go of things and giving it to Him. So maybe you want to come to the altar, and maybe you want to pray and, and ask God to help you through that bitterness. Maybe you want to pray, Lord, help me to see, help me to, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to love them the way you love them. Help me to rely on your comfort so I can comfort others. But maybe you also want to pray tonight about how much you forgot to rely on him. Because he wants us to rely on him. He is our strength. He is our power. He's the only one that's going to save us. That's why he sent his son, because there was no way we were going to save ourselves. It was offering after offering after offering for how many hundreds of years until he sent his son to pay that final price for us. Just pray, Lord, I am I'm sorry. I, Lord, I do need you. Lord, I, I know I can't do this on my own. Lord, I need your help. 
Lord, I can't. The situation I'm in right now, Lord, I just can't do it on my own. I thought I could rely on myself. I thought I could rely on my family or my friends, but they just keep leaving. Lord, I just, I need you right now. Maybe you're not saved and maybe you, you need him to save you. Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit's in you. That comforter is finally in you. I don't know what pain you're dealing with, but God does, and he, he is ready and willing to help you through it. Lord, I thank you so much for this message. I thank you for healing me with this, reminding me of who you are. Lord, I thank you so much for your comfort and the peace that comes with it. Lord, I pray tonight that you, you speak to each person's heart. Before they go to bed, Lord, if there's anything that they're still dealing with or don't want to let go of, Lord, I just pray that you give them the strength to take care of it tonight and to go into the next day just feeling so much better. Lord, I pray for all those that are coming Sunday and anybody that's hesitant to come on Sunday, Lord, I just pray that you, you bring them so they can hear who you are. Because unfortunately, Lord, this world is full of pain, and we need you so much. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you are dismissed.